Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening from. It is Blake Sorensen, back with another episode of the Inside Leverage Podcast. Today, it's one of my favorite podcasts that I've that I've researched and done in quite a while. Super hyped for this one, my full season predictions. Every division winner, every team's record, although I'm not going to stand behind these incredibly strong. I mean, I was picking games from week 16 and 17, uh before we've even seen a real regular season game. So these are probably not going to be all my picks going on into the future. But this is what I have for now. we got all playoff teams. we got Super Bowl predictions. we got MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, all the awards. It's going to be an absolute blast. Uh, you know, sit down, strap in if you're in the car. You know, get ready for a pretty solid podcast. Super excited for it. Before we get too in-depth, though, I just want to make sure you guys go subscribe to the YouTube, uh, STB Sports. If you're listening on the podcast, if you're watching on the YouTube right now, go ahead, click that subscribe button. Uh, Drop in the comments before this video starts. Who do you guys think that I am picking to win the Super Bowl? And then after, I want to know who you guys, what you guys think of my prediction, my Super Bowl pick, and also... Um, who do you guys have winning the Super Bowl? If you have any gripes with any of my awards, we'll go ahead, drop that in the comments. I'd love to get a discussion. Also, please share this podcast. I think it's going to be a great podcast. I'm super excited for it. Share it with somebody trying to grow this podcast. And if you could just share with one to two other people, man, that would be means so much to me. So, NFL season 2021. Last year, weird year, but still a fun year. Nonetheless, we've got a full preseason this year to, to kind of base some things off of. I talked about in my last podcast the five rookie quarterbacks, kind of what I was thinking about how they perform in the preseason. Not too many takeaways, obviously. It's just preseason. But the hype around this season is real. You know, we've gotten some some preseason fake football, practice football is what I like to call it, essentially. We didn't have that any of that last year. It's just, you know, boom, one Thursday, the, the Houston Texans are playing the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night football to start the season. We've had the hype of preseason this year. We've seen the flashes of a Trevor Lawrence, of a Zayvon Collins on the defensive side of the football, of a Patrick Sertan getting a pick six. We've seen Patrick Mahomes touchdowns to Tyreek Hill. We've seen some fun stuff in the preseason, but it all starts in six days. Six days. I'm recording this on Friday afternoon. Should be getting out there Friday evening to Saturday morning. Six, Five to six days. We are going to be having real football. I'm going to be sitting in this chair on Friday talking about what happened in that Dallas-Tampa Bay game. And I am all here for it. But before this season starts, i got to make my predictions. Right? We will go ahead... And start with the AFC. And let me just say, the AFC is going to be a bloodbath. It is going to be like a Roman Colosseum, and you pulled the best of the best, and these guys are all coming for blood. And why I'm saying this is because it's going to be that much more exceptional when Kansas City dominates again. Again. Because there are some legit football teams with talent, with great coaching that I anticipate are going to be like hitting strides late in the season. But Kansas City is still Kansas City. They are my one seed. I have them going 14-3. and three. Okay. We'll stay in the West. The Chargers I have going 11-6. and six. The Denver Broncos 6-11. and 11. The Las Vegas Raiders 5-12. and 12. Now, <clears throat> the Chargers 
are a very terrifying football team. It just sucks that they have to play in a division with maybe the best coach team in football, with the best quarterback, with two the, the two best weapon duo in the league. It's not fun. But I do think that the Chargers are a legit contender for the playoff. Brandon Staley is going to turn that defense into just a monster unit. It's going to be so fun to watch. I'm excited for it. Justin Herbert, does he take another step up? What like what are we going to see out of Justin Herbert this year? I anticipate nothing but a, a top 10 quarterback season. His offensive line has been greatly improved. They got Rashawn Slater, who's going to be their starting left tackle. A lot to kind of be optimistic about if you are a Chargers fan. Now, this is the Chargers, so everything is probably going to go to crap by week four. Uh, hey, I'm all here for how we're going to do it. But, yes, so I have the Chargers there. <clears throat> the Broncos... And the Raiders, I don't think they're not talented football teams. I think the Raiders are well coached on the offensive side of the ball. But the, uh, the things that John Gruden did this offseason, I don't have a lot of optimism. Uh, other than, you know, Waller, Jacobs, that offensive line is kind of sketchy, honestly, with the losing of, of Rodney Hudson, of Trent Brown, of um, didn't Gabe Jackson go to Seattle this year. So this offensive line has been greatly diminished. Um, I don't know... I think the number one thing for the Raiders, two things I want to see. Henry Ruggs, who is he? What is he made of? This is definitely a huge prove it year. Is he going to be the next John Brown? Or is he going to be the next legit deep threat in the NFL? And what I say by that when I'm talking about Henry Ruggs, I don't mean being the next Tyreek Hill. That is very hard to do. But can you be the next John Brown is a good one. Deep threat who poses this this. Very terrifying threat. The defense has to acknowledge every single offensive snap of every single football game. Henry Ruggs can bring that to the table. What can he do? And also Trayvon Moerg, their second-round safety out of TCU on the other side. I think he ended up being my safety, too, in the draft process. I think he's a very talented player. So, you know, Las Vegas, I do think that you you have a good quarterback. You have some solid weapons there. Brian Edwards maybe takes a step up this year. Darren Waller, we know what he is. It, I just think they've diminished their talent too much to really be a contender with a team like Kansas City, with a team like the Chargers that I anticipate taking a huge jump. And then the same goes for Denver. Denver is an insanely talented roster. I think Vangio does an incredibly well job coaching them. The problem comes down to the quarterback position. If you start Teddy Bridgewater, there's no way you get more than eight wins, in my opinion, just because of how conservative he is. You're going to win the games when your defense plays good, but anytime you have to get into any type of a shootout, it's just not going to end well, right? If your defense does not hold somebody to under 20 points, I don't see a way the Denver Broncos win a game this season unless they're playing somebody like Jacksonville. Okay, sorry to be blunt, but let's say four weeks go on and the Denver Broncos are 2-2, two two, but Teddy Bridgewater just isn't really cutting it for, for Vic Vangio when he decides to put in Drew Locke. This poses an interesting question. I was a big fan of Drew Locke after his rookie year. You know, I was looking at MVP bets for him. I was like, plus 2,500. He has good playmakers there. I'm excited at what he can do. He absolutely crapped the bed like a second grader in pull-ups last year. So, I understand. But, however... I think Drew Locke has a higher variance than Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think I'm being outlandish when I say I think Drew Locke can give you a game against Kansas City where he does somehow throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and is able to get you 28 points on the board. I can see Drew Locke doing that, but I could also see Drew Locke playing a game against, um, let's see here, Houston, 
I don't know if they play. I'm just kind of looking at a really crappy team that I have on here. And he throws four interceptions, and you lose to the Houston Texans, who may have Davis Mills as their starting quarterback. So I could see both of those outcomes with Drew Locke. But either way, I am assuming this is going to be Teddy Bridgewater for the first half of the season. Uh, and I just couldn't give the Broncos more than a 6-11 and 11 ceiling. Now, we'll go ahead and go to the two seed, which I, of course, have the Buffalo Bills. I think they are just insanely talented. Um, I do think that the, the AFC East is going to be a very tough division this year. And we'll get to that in a little bit more when we talk about one of my wild card spots. But definitely, I have the Buffalo Bills winning that division. Not easily. Um... I have their three losses being two. Let me pull that up here. I have them losing to Kansas City in week five. I have them losing to Miami in week eight. And then I have them um, losing to the New England Patriots in week 13. Oddly enough, the two games that I gave Miami and New England were uh, Buffalo's home games. So that's a little bit interesting there. But I really do believe that, that, that Buffalo will win this division. Some notable wins that I have for them. I have them beating Tennessee Week 6 on the road. I have them beating the Saints in Week 12. I actually have them in Week 14 beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. So that's a little bit of an interesting one right there. So I could definitely, I did give Buffalo some kind of tough wins. So if you're looking at me and saying, Blake, 14-3 and three is a very lofty expectation for the Buffalo Bills, I could definitely see them getting toned back down to maybe about 12 and 5 or, or even 13 and 4. Sorry, the, the 17th game does mix me up a little bit. So if I mess up or have some hesitancy there, please just bear with me. But yeah, I think Buffalo wins this division regardless, um, unless some crazy stuff happens with one of the other two teams that I have. But we'll go ahead and talk about them a little bit later on. Then we go to the AFC North where my three seed, the Cleveland Browns, are situated. And uh, Cleveland is just, I think this is Cleveland's division to lose, quite frankly. As much as I love, you know, Greg Roman, John Harbaugh, uh, I don't think a lot of people come close to, to Kevin Stefanski and Joe Barry on the defensive side of the football. It is just a legit coaching staff in Cleveland. And it's a roster that is just littered with talent. I mean, really. A top five, top three, maybe offensive line. The best, in my opinion, running back duo in the NFL. Nick Chubb is debatably a top six or seven running back. You have Kareem Hunt, who is an insanely good compliment. Kareem Hunt, in his own right, is a top 20 NFL running back. Uh, you have solid playmakers. I think Odell Beckham Jr. has a shot at uh, well over 1,000 yards this year if he can be healthy. You have a very reliable slot receiver in Jarvis Landry. You have a guy in Donovan Peoples-Jones who I think can be a legit threat down the field, and I think he showed that in glimpses last year. You have a talented tight end in Austin Hooper. You have a talented backup tight end because we know Stefanski does really enjoy two tight ends, and Harrison Bryant, the second-year guy out of FAU, I believe. I pulled that one out of the vault. Um, Baker Mayfield, who, not saying Baker Mayfield is an elite quarterback, no, but when you have this much talent on the offensive side of the ball and an amazing play caller, I could see Baker Mayfield being, performing like a top 10 quarterback this year and being good and just playing very well. The Browns are a scary football team, and you look at the defensive side of the ball, you have one of the best cornerbacks in football. Denzel Ward does not get enough credit. You have... 
the best edge rusher in football in Miles Garrett. And then you went and added talent in spots where you need it. You went and got a linebacker, nickel, safety hybrid, whatever the hell. You got a good football player in Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame. You got a cornerback number two who, if you were listening to this podcast last year, any time we would cover a Cleveland Brown game, it would be, who the hell is the wide receiver two for the other team, and are they going to go for over 300 yards? That was my question every time I covered the Browns. Is the wide receiver not getting covered by Denzel Ward going to break every single, single game record? for a wide receiver. Is that going to happen in this game? And most of the times, I put my money on yes. So, they did a great job getting Greg Newsom, who I think very fundamentally sound. I don't necessarily know if he has the, the ceiling of a of a J.C. Horn or Eric Stokes, who I love, but we'll get to him later. Um, but I think Newsom was maybe one of the more pro-ready cornerbacks. I think he fits well into the scheme. Um, and it'll just be very, very solid. Then you go ahead and add... Um, John Johnson, who is just an insanely talented defensive player in his own right, one of the better and more productive safeties in the league. This Cleveland Brown team is absolutely legit. I have them coming in as the three seed in the AFC with a 13-4 and record. Some loss, Their losses are going to be coming week one at Kansas City. That'll be tough. But then I have them breaking off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight wins, including a home win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have them losing week nine to Cincinnati. Uh, I just have that one being a tough division game. Joe Burrow gave the Cleveland Browns some trouble last year, even though it is uh, uh, well improved unit is the word that I was looking for. And I think at about this point in the season, this is at week nine, I think Joe Burrow will have seen some time on the field. I think he will got, have gotten over the jitters because I think the first couple of weeks are going to be rough for the Cincinnati Bengals, who I have finishing with a 14-3 and record, 1-5 and in the division, this being their only division win. So I think at about this time, Cincinnati will have gotten some fluidity in that offense. Things will be running well. And I just think that Cincinnati will be able to play spoiler because they're sandwiched in between two tough games. Week 8. The Browns are going to be hosting Pittsburgh, and then week 10, they have to go to New England. I could definitely see that being a scenario where they're looking ahead to have to going into Foxborough and playing Bill Belichick. That's no fun. I could see them kind of glossing over this one after a tough Pittsburgh game, looking ahead to New England, and getting hit with an upset against Cincinnati. Then I have them losing uh, in Baltimore week 12. I don't think that's a huge surprise there, but then turn around by week, and then I have them beating Baltimore in Cincinnati week 12. 13 is the bye. 14 is when I have Cleveland winning at home. Then I have them losing in Green Bay at week 16. Um, and I actually have them sweeping the season series against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we're going to talk about. Then in second place, I have the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Baltimore was a team that I was super excited to watch this season. I thought they were I think they still are a very legit contender in the AFC, but they are no longer the contender that I once thought they were. I legitimately thought they had an opportunity this year to come in and contend for a Super Bowl. You had weapons. You had Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, uh, Malcolm Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown. Is that it? What's his first name? I can't even think of Hollywood Brown's first name. Is it Malcolm? No idea. Hollywood Brown, Sammy Watkins, and Rashad Bateman. That is an above-average wide receiver trio. I mean, I'll tell, I'll fight that. Like that is probably a top 
12 wide receiver trio in the league and was going incredibly underrated. And I was excited to see what Greg Roman was going to do. Were we going to get some more traditional passing concepts to add a layer to this offense? Because usually in the past what it had been is Baltimore's down, Baltimore needs to throw the football, Baltimore's throwing 10 times to Willie frickin' Sneed. Okay, so that wasn't going to happen this year. I wasn't going to look at a game where Baltimore's down 14 to nothing and say, that thing's over, that thing's over, because I, I had faith in Bateman, Brown, Watkins, Tylen Wallace, who's a rookie out of Oklahoma State, that I, with, the, with the injury to Bateman, I think he should get some good opportunities to flash this year. Now, losing Bateman, huge killer. Because now it's more of a duo, in my opinion, with Watkins and Brown. And Brown is still kind of a little bit of an unknown. Can he be the elite wide receiver? I hope he can be. And losing Dobbins is huge, too. Dobbins, great in pass protection. Underrated out of the backfield. He was going to add an element to this passing game as well. Losing those two guys sucks for the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. I have them going 12-5. and five. Some losses include... Week 2 to Kansas City. Kansas City always matches up really well with them. I think Kansas City will get to the jump, get that lead that I was just talking about, and I'm a little worried about the depth at wide receiver at this point in time for them to be able to succumb to a Kansas City deficit. Then I have them losing Week 6 to the Chargers. I have them losing Week 10 at Miami. I have them losing that Cleveland game we were just talking about. And then I have them losing to Green Bay in Week 15. But I have them finishing the season strong with two tough wins, hosting the L.A. Rams and hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's kind of my synopsis about Baltimore, who is going to get the um, get one of the wild card spots there. So, so far we have Kansas City. We have the Chargers. We have uh, Buffalo for sure. We have the Cleveland Browns and we have the Baltimore Ravens. Um, then we head to the South. Now, this was actually very interesting, the way things played out. Um, I really didn't think that this was good, but as I was picking my games, I was like, oh gosh, this is kind of how it's going, right? Only the division winner made the playoffs here. And it was the Indianapolis Colts for me. I, they, they come in with an 11-6 and record. 6-0, and oh, a whopping 6-0 and oh in the division. And a lot of people are probably going to be like, Blake... No way they go 6-0 and in the division. Why not? Houston, Houston, Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Okay, 4-2 four, four and two is definitely in the realm of possibility. I, for a fact, think they split with Tennessee. I don't think they get swept by Tennessee. Tennessee's defense gives me a little bit of concerns. So I don't think they're going to get swept by Tennessee. And I think that the way it was positioned for Indianapolis, they do not have a choice but to win their Week 3 matchup at Tennessee because they have a rough start to the season. They play Seattle week one. They play LA, the Rams, week two. I have them losing both of those games. So I have the Indianapolis Colts starting 0-2. <clears throat> week three, this is a must-win game. You go into Tennessee. You're you're 0-2. If you go 0-3, what shot do you have at making the playoffs? And let me see what I had for Tennessee. I have Tennessee winning their first two games hosting the Arizona Cardinals and going to the 12th man in the Pacific Northwest and knocking off Russ and the Seattle Seahawks. Your division rival and really the only threat that is posed to you in this division is 2-0. You're 0-2. You have to go to Nashville. Is that actually where the Titans are? I have no idea. I just assumed it would be. You have to go to Nashville. You have to play this, oh my God, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. Like You just have to go and play against... 
you know, Professor Xavier's School for Gifted Children here. It's, it's going to be a rough ride. But Frank Reich, man, I got a lot of hope for him. And I really do think, I don't think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. I don't. I don't think he, I, I think that he can be better than what he has been the last couple of years. And I think if anybody's going to get that, it's going to be the RPO heavy Frank Reich who has gotten success with Wentz in the past. But yes, I have Indianapolis taking that crucial week three game from the Tennessee Titans. And then from there, it's off to the races. A week four win against Miami. Then they lose at Baltimore and then they just go on a tear. Week six, I have them hosting and beating Houston. Then I have them winning a tough game on the road against the Niners. That's one to watch out for. Then they beat Tennessee, hosting them. They beat the Jets, hosting them. They beat Jacksonville, hosting them. Then they lose to Buffalo. Then they lose to Tampa. I don't have it being an easy season for the Indianapolis Colts, but I have Tennessee having a rough ride as well. I have Tennessee losing to Indianapolis. Then they have a pretty easy stretch of games there against the Jets, Jacksonville. Then I have them losing to Buffalo. Then I have them losing to KC. Then I have them losing to Indianapolis in Week 8. Somehow I have them beating the Rams on the road to go ahead and get a win there. And then I have them beating the Saints. And then I have them beating Houston. Then they just have a kind of a rough stretch near the end of the year where they have to finish out against teams like Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Miami. So that's kind of where I had Tennessee coming in at 10-7. and 7. I think that's actually kind of an accurate range for Tennessee, quite honestly, and the Indianapolis Colts as well. I think they're going to you know have potential to beat a New England Miami and Jets for sure the Jets because they do play the AFC East and in in comparison their division is super weak so I definitely do think that Indianapolis and Tennessee will be able to have good records and it'll just come down to the two games between each other with which how the season was playing out I had Indianapolis somehow taking those two games going 6 and 0 and getting the fourth division spot. So now you guys can't see, you have no visual, so I want to paint this picture for you. Number 1 seed Kansas City, number 2 is Buffalo, number 3 is Cleveland, number 4 is Indianapolis, number 5 is Baltimore. LA, you know, was that last spot that got in there. The 6th seed is coming out of the East. And it could go either way. I think one of these two teams is definitely making the playoffs even if let's say Tennessee goes like is in the elite like let's say 13 and 4 14 and 3 uh even 12 and 5 range I could see Tennessee being that um and Indianapolis is fighting for the spot okay I think that New England or Miami gets the sixth playoff spot which isn't the final but I'm gonna kind of talk about it like it is and here's what it comes down to I believe both of these defenses will be good units. I don't think Bill Belichick is done. There's a bunch of like, oh, Bill Belichick only won Super Bowl because of Tom Brady. No, Bill Belichick is... It's ludicrous, okay? Absolutely ludicrous. Bill Belichick is still an amazing coach. Still a phenomenal coach. He is going to give so many teams trouble on the defensive side of the ball. And offensively, offensive line, Damian Harris is a talented running back who is going to just eat behind that O-line. Still got James White out of the backfield for what it's worth. Um, you have a nice tight end duo and Henry and John Drew Smith. We know that for sure is going to get utilized. They added Nelson Aguilar in the offseason, who I think could be a 1,000-yard receiver this year just by sheer volume alone. Uh, Jacoby Myers had a reception or two in this preseason where he did not look like uh, some bum. So, 
and, and Mac Jones, obviously. I think he's going to have this offense running at a rather productive clip. I don't think they're going to be top 10 or anything, but I definitely think this is a unit where if you get caught lacking, New England can put up 30 points on you. You know, I, I really do think that this unit could be sneaky good. I don't think they're necessarily going to be explosive, but I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on you. And it's going to, uh, I think the New England offense is going to have to be relatively perfect. I don't think they're going to have a lot of room for errors like a Buffalo or a Cleveland or a Kansas City or even a Tennessee might be able to. But I definitely think that that defense is going to be good. That offense is going to put pressure on you to have to score points against a rather tough defense. I could see them winning a lot of um, like 23 to 14 like games. I can see them holding a lot of teams they play to two possessions. Let's see here. Where do I have them? What big wins do I have them getting? Um, I have them having a solid week three win against New Orleans. I have them losing to, to Tampa. Unfortunately, I have them losing week six to Dallas, and that I think is going to be a tough game. Then I have them beating the Chargers in week eight. I think Belichick will be able to give Herbert some problems and, and, and frustrate him. Uh, then I have them losing week 10 to Cleveland. I have Atlanta pulling off an upset when they host them on Thursday Night Football in week 11. I have, obviously, I don't think that the, the Bills are just going to bully through them. I have New England winning a game against them. Um, a win against Indianapolis that I talked about before. And then winning a key week 18 game against the Miami Dolphins in Miami to go ahead and get that playoff spot. But Miami, I don't think is is bad at all. I, again, similar situation. I think this defense has a lot of potential, right? Behind Brian Flores, who again, talented coordinator. I don't think it will be as good as the New England defense, though. I just think New England is a little bit... I think Belichick is definitely better than Flores. And I think there's more talent on, although Javon Holland, that's a name to watch out for. Javon Holland on this Miami defense is going to be so fun to just watch fly around and make plays. Whether he's lining up in the slot or at the traditional safety spot. But the thing that I'm most excited for about Miami this season is Tua Tagovailoa. And if you listen to my podcast that I did last week, I raved about how healthy and good Tua looked. He has... <clears throat> Jalen Waddle, who he played with at Alabama, he has a legit threat to get down the field in Will Fuller. He has Mike Gusecki. This offensive line sucks. And there's no, like, like pussyfooting around it. This offensive line absolutely sucks. So, can Tua be a cut above, even with this offensive line, and throw 30, 35 touchdowns, limit the turnovers and interceptions? I think he can. I think he does take a step up. I think this offense is going to shock a lot of people this year, and Tua is going to look really, 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 really good um, and prove a lot of doubters wrong. But that still doesn't negate the fact that they do have kind of a tough schedule, right? Have them losing um, to Buffalo. Have them losing to Indianapolis. Have them losing to Tampa Bay. Have them in a tough game losing to Atlanta, who I don't think is going to be a bad team by any means. I also have them losing to Tennessee and New England to kind of end the season there. Um, I just, it's going to be kind of a rough ride for Miami this year, but I think it's going to be good. I think they could definitely win against Atlanta and against New England and then maybe get into the playoff spot here. It's going to be a dogfight between New England and Miami to get one of those final playoff spots. Have no doubt about it. In this one, I just had New England, you know, kind of squeezing by and just doing enough to go ahead 
and get that final playoff spot. So let's recap. Kansas City, one seed. Buffalo, two seed. Cleveland, three. In the four spot, we have Indianapolis going 6-0 and against the division somehow. Even when I did that, I was like, how the hell did this just happen? Baltimore being the five. New England being the six. And the Los Angeles Chargers getting into that seven seed. Now let's go ahead and take a look at the NFC. We will start in the north where my one seed resides. Without a doubt, I have the Green Bay Packers finishing here. Um, a lot of people will tell you Tampa Bay. And I can't argue that, right? Tampa Bay is coming off a Super Bowl. They have Tom Brady. They're dominant. I have them with four losses, Tampa Bay, uh, to the Rams in Week 3, to the Bears in Week 7, to the Saints in Week 8, and then to Buffalo in Week 14. So I do have some tough games, although I still think Tampa Bay will be an elite team. But the Green Bay Packers, man, I have so much faith in this team. What are they missing? Legitimately answer that for me, other than David Bakhtiari for the first couple of weeks. What are they missing? Well, Blake, their defense sucks. Does it? Does it? Do you have one of the best corners in football in Jair Alexander? You have amazing edge rushers and guys like Zadarius Smith, Preston Williams, Rashawn Gary is looking for a breakout year this year. Kenny Clark on the inside to stop the run. Well, Blake, they don't have a corner too. They drafted Eric Stokes, who I don't. I think at the start of the year it could be a rough ride for him, and I'm not anticipating a lot for a rookie corner, but I think that they will be able to get just enough out of there where it's not as bad of a liability as it was last year. Well, Blake, Darnell, don't say Darnell Savage and, and Adrian Amos. That's a very good safety duo. Oh, well, Blake, they don't have a tight end or, or linebackers. They don't have linebackers to stop the run. If your weakness... On your entire team, entire team, is linebacker, I'm going to look at you and laugh, okay? I will be weak at linebacker if I have one of the most talented and uh, important roster, right? Franchise left tackle. I know David Bakhtiari is going to be out for the first six weeks, and I think that absolutely sucks for Green Bay. But he's going to be back in the second half of the year. I'm willing to put my money on that unless complications occur. One of the best receivers in football. One of the best quarterbacks in football. Uh, one of the best corners in football. Good at pass rush. Solid safeties. This Green Bay team has it all to me. I have them only having two losses. A week three loss to San Francisco. And a week 11 loss in Minnesota. I think it's just hard to sweep that series for either team. No matter how good they are. Yes, I have them winning two at the Bears. In week six, I have them going into Soldier Field and winning. Uh, I feel like that will probably be the straw that breaks the Andy Dalton Camels back there. And then... Fields will get kind of placed in after that. Um, I have them winning a crazy Week 9 matchup in Arrowhead against Kansas City. That's kind of a crazy one right there. Have them winning Week 10, hosting Seattle. Have them winning Week 15 versus Baltimore. Have them winning Week 16 versus Cleveland. It's tough. It is a very, very tough Green Bay schedule. And I'm almost willing to, to acknowledge, I don't know if Green Bay goes 15-2. and two. But if Green Bay goes 13-4, and four, right? Let's say they lose to Baltimore because they're going to Maryland there and the Browns and maybe KC. So now you're looking at a 12-5 football team. The Green Bay Packers this year are not a 12-win football team. This is the talent coaching-wise. They got um, 
Let me scroll through my notes here. I think his name is Joe Barry. They got a former guy that coached with Brandon Staley. Joe Barry, yes. He was he was the uh, Rams assistant head coach and linebackers coach with Brandon Staley there. So you get a guy who has, I hope, the same philosophy as Brandon Staley that you got to stop the pass before you stop the run. I think that will help Green Bay a lot because I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, let's... Let's torch this green man in the run game. He's going to figure that out, and then he's going to force you to pass, which is not easy to do on a Brandon Staley defense. I just think Green Bay's in- incredibly uh, kind of slept on this year. Aaron Rodgers is fired up. This Green Bay team is fired up. I don't think we're taking that into account enough about a team that is playing probably at their last chance for a ring. You don't think Devontae Adams kind of realizes this and an Aaron Jones and a David Bakhtiari and a Jair Alexander. You don't think all these guys kind of realize we are probably not going to be another opportunity to have an Aaron Rodgers-like guy pissed off like this, ready to go get a ring, one last dance. I'm just super, super hyped for this one here. Um, it is a tough schedule. Like I said, they may not go 15-2. and two. I just wanted to illustrate how highly I thought of, of this team. I could see them going 12-5 and five and then just absolutely torching a lot of teams in the playoffs. So that's my thesis on Green Bay there. Then at the two seed, we have the San Francisco 49ers. I am sipping the Shanahan juice. Uh, even if it's Jimmy Garoppolo starting, I can I, and it should be Jimmy Garoppolo starting, I like this. Um, I like their matchups a lot. Detroit, Philadelphia, Green Bay, Seattle, Arizona to start their season. I have them starting 5-0. and um, and yes, the Green Bay, Seattle, and Arizona games will all be tough, but I have them doing a good job of winning there. Have them losing Week 17 to Indianapolis, losing Week 9 to Arizona. Then in Week 10, I have them pulling out a win, uh, hosting the Rams. Uh, then where's their next? They have some big win, another win against Seattle. Overall, I think it's a pretty manageable schedule. They play that week, in my opinion, AFC South. Right, so Indianapolis is a winnable game for them. Tennessee is a winnable game for them, and I have them winning the Tennessee game. And then they get Jacksonville and Houston. Might as well just start uh, San Francisco with a two and zero record now, and not even make them play those games. And, and I say that, and they're going to lose because, you know, something. Watch, they're going to lose those games now. I just know it. But I, I really do believe that San Francisco has a pretty good schedule that they could take advantage of, and especially finishing last in that division, uh, you're getting the likes of Atlanta. Um, who else? Minnesota, no, not Minnesota, they play. Uh, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and then what would be the other one? Atlanta, Philadelphia. Hmm, I don't know. I can't figure it out for some reason. Who was it? West, South, that's Atlanta. Philadelphia's East, and then North, will they play the North? Okay. But anyway, you get my point. I think they have a pretty manageable schedule. I think they go ahead and get the two seed with Jimmy being the quarterback for the whole year. And a lot of people may scoff at that notion. Um, Jimmy's playmakers this year are better than the playmakers he had in the Super Bowl run. I'm sorry, but a rookie Debo and Emmanuel Sanders and George Kittle is not better than third-year Debo, second-year Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Raheem Mostert, um, yeah, I'm sorry. And Trey Sermon. Yeah, I just it's not better. I think these playmaking units are better. I think the offensive line might be a little bit better. Sorry, Joe Staley stands, but Trent Williams is an absolute dog. 
Um, so yeah, I have the Niners finishing second there. Then third, Tampa Bay. Talked about them already. A lot of people may be surprised. I could definitely see them finishing as the one seed, but this is just what I have going on. Then we have Dallas finishing with a record of 12-5. and five. Some people being like, Blake, what? Uh, Dallas is good. Okay. Don't know. I mean, it all depends on Mike McCarthy if he, if he just has the most elementary, stupid uh, plan to attack people on offense. I mean, that'll decide a lot. But uh, I do have Dallas finishing the season hot. I have them winning. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight games, that looks like. Weeks 12 to 18, all result in a wins, and it's mainly because they're playing a lot in the division. But let's go through it. <clears throat> Have them losing week one to the, the Bucks. I think it'll be a tough game for them. Um, then week two, I have them beating the Chargers in L.A., then I have them losing week three to Philly. Look, it's the Cowboys. They're going to do stupid things like this. But then I have them pulling three straight wins, uh, hosting Carolina, hosting the Giants, and then going into Foxborough. That's actually going to be a really fun game to watch week six. I'm super excited for that one uh, if health and everything kind of stays the way it is. Then I have them losing to Minnesota week eight, beating Denver week nine, losing to Atlanta week ten. Again, I don't think Atlanta is a bad football team. We'll get there when we start talking about the South a little bit more. Um Losing to KC Week 11, and then I have a win hosting the Raiders. A win on the road against the Saints on Thursday Night Football. A win at Washington. A win at the Giants. A win hosting Washington. A win hosting the Cardinals. And then a win on the road against Philadelphia to finish 12-5. and five. Yeah, I do kind of have a lot of faith. Uh, and it's actually kind of funny. Uh, Dallas's schedule, or at least how it pans out for me, they're 2-3 and three versus winning teams and 10-2. and two. Versus teams with a losing record. So I definitely think that Dallas will benefit from having a crappy schedule. Sorry, my voice is running away from me. I don't know. Maybe this is like the first like hour podcast I'm geared up for. And my voice is just like, I know. We, we ain't been trained for this lately, Blake. It's been a while since we've done an hour. Um, but yeah, uh, that's what I have going on for Dallas. Let me talk about Washington a little bit. Because Philadelphia and the Giants, I think, are both going to uh, suck this year bad. But the Giants... <clears throat> Oh, sorry, the football team. Uh, it's actually kind of surprising how I have their schedule playing out. I have them winning the first two weeks, uh, hosting the Chargers and the Giants. Then I have them losing to Buffalo, losing to uh, Atlanta, um, losing to KC, losing to Green Bay. Those aren't really debatable in my opinion. Losing to Tampa Bay, another one that's not really debatable. Uh, losing to Carolina, losing to Seattle, losing to Vegas, losing to Dallas, losing to Dallas, and then winning the last couple. So I have... The Washington football team finishing with a record of 7-10. and 10. I could see them... Let's see where I can make some differences here. I don't want to actually change it because then it'll change everything else kind of. But I could see them beating Atlanta week 4. I could definitely see that. So now they're at, what, 8-9? and nine? I could see them beating Carolina in week 11. Okay, so now we're 9-8. and eight. I could see them beating the Raiders in week 13. Okay, now we're ten and seven instead of seven and ten. Those are three games that I could see really swinging this thing, and I think both Dallas games are going to be dogfights because I don't think that, I think this Washington talent on the defensive side of the football. You upgraded the quarterback position. You upgraded some playmakers. It just depends kind of what Ryan Fitzpatrick we're going to get. I definitely do think that the seven and ten record. Um, I think they're going to be a, a way better team than seven and ten, but they just got stuck with some rough. Buffalo, KC, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. That's arguably the four best teams in football that you have to play this season. Not fun if I'm a Washington 
football. And that's, hey, that's what you get for winning the division. You have to go play the Green Bays and the Tampas of the world. But, um, yeah, I, I could definitely see things kind of swinging. Uh, just those three games alone, the Atlanta, uh, Carolina, and Las Vegas games, I could see those going. And then now you're at 10-7, and seven, and then you're at 10-7, and seven, Dallas is at 12-5. and five. You split those games, now you're both 11-6 and six football teams. You know, if they eke one of the Dallas games away. So I, I really do think Washington is better than a seven and ten team, and they're going to play better than a seven and ten team, and they're going to give a lot of teams trouble. But I think they will end up missing the playoffs. Uh, but again, it wouldn't surprise me if Washington ends up winning the division. I just think they're, they're pretty talented like that. Um, go ahead and talk about some teams I have missing. Uh, I have the Saints at eight and nine. I think they're a talented team, just don't have enough playmakers early on. Now, if Marcus Callaway can kind of be uh, juice and explosive on this offense early on. Then you add Michael Thomas a couple, a couple about halfway through the season. Now you have an explosive Callaway, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara behind an offensive line, and a Jameis Winston that I think is going to play well. I just have some some tough, you know, uh, Green Bay is going to be a tough game for them. New England is going to be a tough game for them. Seattle is going to be a tough game for them. Uh, Tennessee is going to be a tough game for them. Buffalo, tough. Dallas, tough. Jets, I think, will even be tough. Tampa Bay, again, tough. Miami, tough. It's just, it is kind of a, a rough, rough schedule for the New Orleans Saints, in my opinion. I do think that they can eke out some wins versus these teams. I'm not saying they can't. I'm not, again, very similar conversation to what I'm saying about Washington. I think they are a better team than a lot of people are probably giving them credit for. Um, I just don't anticipate them having enough to get over a team uh like Tampa, like any of the NFC West teams, I think will be a rough ride for them. Um, and then Atlanta, similar situation. I think they're going to be a team that is not uh, contending for the playoff spot, but I think they're going to be good, and you're going to have them on your schedule, and they're probably going to have some 1-7 record, but you're going to be going into that game like, oh my God, we have to play Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, uh, Mike Davis, Wayne Gallman, who they added, who I think is going to take away some carries from Mike Davis, and still an above-average quarterback in Matt Ryan. So I don't think when you're looking at the Atlanta Falcons on your schedule, you're going to look and be like, oh, we get to play the 1-7 the and seven Falcons. I think you have to be like, oh, shit, we got to play the 1-7 and seven Falcons. So that's kind of my synopsis on those guys. Then we go ahead and uh, continue out west. You know, I had San Francisco winning that division, have the Rams finishing 11-6 and six to get the 5 seed. Um, let's see some kind of well, – I have them starting the season off 4-0, and and it's going to be a tough one. If they uh, coming out four and zero for this first game, first four games is going to be crazy. Have them beating the Bears week one. Uh, I think that defense is going to give Andy Dalton trouble, and I think they'll be able to score twenty one points. And I don't think the Bears will be able to score fifteen. So that's kind of what I have going on there. Then I have them beating Indianapolis week two, as we talked about before, from the Indianapolis point of view. Week three, I have them somehow beating Tampa Bay. It's in L.A., and I think Sean McVay is going to come out with all the tools and all the trickery. I don't necessarily want to say he's not going to... I think he's going to keep some things in the bag for for week three to confuse and fluster Todd Bowles, and I think the Rams will win a close, tight football game there. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. And then I have them beating Arizona week four. They host both of those games. Tampa Bay and Arizona are both coming to them. Then week five, I have them losing to Seattle. Then they go ahead and beat the Giants, beat Detroit, beat Houston. They're 7-1 and one right now. 
The Rams are 7-1 and one right now with an incredibly tough start to that season in that first 4-0. But then it gets easy. After they play Seattle, like I said, Giants, Detroit, Houston. Right? That should be three wins, which I have them having. Then they go ahead and play Tennessee, which I have them losing. I have them losing three straight games here. Tennessee comes to town and beats them. They have to go to, in to... Uh, where actually is it? It's, no, it's nowhere near San Francisco. It's like an hour out. Don't know why I can't think of where it is. Uh, it's not Santa Cruz, is it? Niner fans are probably like, Blake, yeah, yeah, I absolutely hate you right now. Go ahead. Where can you put the stadium in the comment or where it actually is located? But then, yeah, so I have them losing to Tennessee, losing to the 49ers, having a bye week and just having a rough ride against Green Bay. Then they go ahead and get back on the winning track with wins against the Rams, the Cardinals, or with, with Jacksonville, the Cardinals, and then Seattle. Uh, week 16 and 17 and 18, I have them with some tough games. I have them losing at Minnesota, who I think is going to be dogfighting for a playoff spot. And it's in Minnesota, which will be tough for them. Week 17, um, going to Baltimore to have to play Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And that's not going to be fun. And then I have them week 18. Is this the, No, I think they already kind of have a playoff spot secured by by the standards here, but yeah, a, a very must-win game against the Niners to secure some position. I have them actually winning that ball game, so that's how I have the Rams finishing 11 and six. My sixth seed in the NFC is going to go ahead and be the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I think this is kind of like standard Seahawky old procedure. <laughs> you know, you you play down to to your opponents. You don't unleash the offense fully. Although I am. Very excited to see what goes on with that offense. Offensive coordinator name is, I have it written down from a previous podcast. Yes, I use legal notes like I'm, I'm Saul Goodman. You better have caught that reference if you didn't stop listening to this podcast forever. Um, sh- not Shane Steichen, Shane Waldron. He was the Rams passing game coordinator in 2020. But yeah, I'm excited to see what the Seahawks offense can do. But I think um, they play enough losing teams that they're going to go ahead get into that sixth seed then for the seventh one uh new orleans i think poses a threat i think washington poses a threat i think that's kind of the the one two three four five six of green bay san francisco dallas tampa bay uh rams and seahawks i think those guys are kind of guaranteed for the playoffs whether dallas makes it as a wild card and washington wins or whether they win but i think the teams that are going to be fighting for that final playoff spot include minnesota chicago new orleans in Washington and the Arizona Cardinals. I talked about New Orleans a little bit earlier. Talked about Washington, Arizona, Chicago, and Minnesota. We'll go ahead and start in Chicago. I have them finishing 7-10 and and not getting into the playoffs. Uh, everybody knows I hate the Bears. No, I tried not to be biased here. Some of the Bears' losses include a Week 1 to the Rams, Week 3 to the Browns, Week 6 to Green Bay, Week 8 to the 49ers. I have them beating the Bucks in Week 7. I do have them with some, some solid wins. But then I have them with a Week 8 loss to the Niners, a Week 9 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a Week 11 loss to the Baltimore Ravens coming off of a bye week, a Week 13 loss to an Arizona Cardinal team that needs to fight for some some playoff leverage here, right? Um, they have them with a win at Minnesota, week fi- or a win hosting Minnesota, Week 15. They have them with a tough loss to, in Seattle. That might be Sunday Night Football. Um, in week 16, they have to go to the 12th man, and I don't think they're able to win that game. Then I have them losing in Minnesota 
uh, on week 18. I have Chicago finishing 7-10. and 10. I just... I just don't think I think there's too many bubble games for them, and I don't really see Chicago winning a lot of bubble games this year. Um, I don't anticipate. I don't know how I say this without sounding like a Justin Fields hater. I don't anticipate this offense being that great, even with Justin Fields, because I think that offensive line is going to create so much trouble for a rookie quarterback. Even the most poised guy that I've seen, I think, as a rookie in a long, long time in Justin Fields, I think it'll still just cause a lot of problems and issues. Now, Arizona and Minnesota. Arizona and Minnesota. Let's look through Minnesota's schedule. Week one against the Bengals. I think they're going to eke out a horrible win there. Then I have them losing week two, week three, week four, and a tough stretch of games against the Cardinals, Seahawks, and Browns. But then they get the, the, the schedule kind of turns around. They play Detroit. They play Carolina. And I think those are both winnable games for them. And then I also have them having a bye week and then hosting Dallas. I think that's a solid matchup that Minnesota could win. Then they have two tough losses in week 9 and 10 to Baltimore in the Chargers. But then this second half of the year is really when when things start to work itself out for the Vikings here. I really don't know how this is a how this is a 9-win football team honestly. Uh, Cincinnati, Detroit, Carolina, Dallas, one Green Bay, another Detroit. Have them eking out a tough win on Thursday Night Football against Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. So Minnesota is going to need a t- uh, It's going to be a rough end of the season. So week 11, they host Green Bay. I think that's a winnable game for them. Then they go to the Niners. I have them losing week 13 against Detroit. 14 against Pittsburgh is going to be tough. 15 against the Bears. I have them losing. That's going to be tough. 16 against the Rams is going to be tough, but I have them eking out that win, needing to get these wins for playoff spot. 17, I have them losing to Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. That one is in Lambeau. And then Week 18, I have them beating the Bears, which I think if Minnesota loses that game, the Cardinals, who I have 8-9, and nine, have the Cardinals beating them. The Cardinals will get them to the playoffs, I'm pretty sure. So let's talk about the Cardinals. What are some tough losses I have for the Cardinals? I have them losing week one to Tennessee. I have them with a week four loss to the Rams, a week six loss to the Browns, a week eight loss to Green Bay, a week 11 loss to Seattle, um, a week 14 loss to the Rams, a week 16 loss to Indianapolis, a week 17 loss to Dallas. Are any of these out of the realm of possibility for the Cardinals? No. But do we see them winning a lot of these football games? Indianapolis and Dallas, I think, are the only two that you really have solid conversations for. Everything else, I'm probably rolling with the other team. So, that's going to conclude it. We got Green Bay is the one. San Francisco is the two. Tampa is the three. Dallas is the four. Rams is the five. Seattle is the six. Minnesota is the seven. And we'll go ahead and recap the AFC. Chiefs in the one. Buffalo in the two. Browns in the three. Fourth is Indianapolis. Fifth is Baltimore. Sixth is New England. Seventh is the LA Chargers. Let's get into the awards. MVP, I have Patrick Mahomes. I could see it being an Aaron Rodgers. I just felt like it would be tough to get back-to-back MVP, so I just rocked with the only other guy that I think is gonna I think it's gonna be Patrick Mahomes. Offensive player of the year. I think if this Viking team is gonna get into the playoffs, it is gonna be on the back of a thousand-yard rushing season from Dalvin Cook. And I think a lot of it is going to come from necessity, not necessity, but play calling. Because the play calling 
has not looked great this preseason, and I think it is going to be a lot of essentially forced feeding Dalvin Cook, even when they really shouldn't be. So I think Dalvin Cook is going to kind of be a bell cow, and I can just see him scoring a lot of touchdowns for this team. I don't necessarily think he's going to be the best running back. That's not what I'm saying, but I think he's going to be putting up the most stats, which will get him offensive player of the year. I think Cook has a big year either way, but uh, what Clint Kubiak has showed in the, the Vikings preseason game so far has not been super like, oh, I think this offense is going to be able to, to get that that passing game going a lot. So I think it is going to kind of rely on Cook, and I think he's talented, and I think he will get a lot of yards and touchdowns just by sheer volume of a idiotic offensive play caller. So Dalvin Cook, offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year I have being Joey Bosa. Um, I think Brandon Staley, everywhere he's gone, has contributed to allowing an insane defensive lineman to be absolutely out of this world. He did it with Vangio uh, when they were in um, Chicago with Khalil Mack. They did it in Denver with Bradley Chubb. They did it in, or he did it in the with the Rams with Aaron Donald. This guy knows how to just completely get one guy uh, as little, like, as productive as possible. He knows how to isolate. And it's going to be Joey Bosa. That guy is going to be Joey Bosa. Another guy I want to look out for is Jeffrey Tillery, but not in the defensive player of the year conversation, just with Brandon Staley being able to elevate a guy. I think that Tillery is going to be a fun guy to watch on that Chargers defense. But, yeah, I think Joey Bosa has a legit – uh, opportunity to get 16, 17, 18 sacks this year because Brandon Staley is going to do everything in his power to create one-on-one matchups for Joey Bosa, whether it's with twists, whether it's with isolated, like just Joey Bosa is going to eat this year. Mark my words, I got him as defensive player of the year. Offensive rookie, I had to go with Trevor Lawrence simply because I one, I think he is the best out of the guys, and two, he has the most weapons in my opinion, honestly. Like, I really do think that, like, Chenault is a good playmaker. Marvin Jones has looked good with him so far. I, I do like the, the foundation that the Jaguars have laid out there in terms of playmakers. So I think Trevor Lawrence will be able to kind of sling this rock around the football field. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, a lot of guys are here that I think I think Jacob Phillips could be in that conversation as well. Um, Jalen Phillips, sorry. Jalen Phillips. Miami rookie. I think Zayvon Collins is in this conversation, but I ended up going with Patrick Sertan. I just think he's simply the best defensive player as a rookie. So I just had a rock with him. Um, comeback player of the year. I think Derwin James is going to be the best player like at his position at cornerback. I think it's just going to be so fun. Chargers are probably going to be the team that I'm, I'm just most excited to watch in, in a week week-to-week basis. But yeah, I think it'll end up being Dak. It should be Derwin, but it'll end up being Dak. We all know. Come on. Coach of the year, I have Matt LaFleur because I think Green Bay is just going to be insanely good. Um, Let's go ahead and take a look at the wild card round. I have Baltimore beating Indianapolis, Cleveland beating New England, and then Buffalo winning a a tough game against the Chargers. That thing is going to be fun. If it does happen, you know, I'm making wild card predictions. That's why I'm not getting too much into this. Then I have the Rams beating Dallas, Tampa Bay beating Seattle, San Francisco beating Minnesota. Then here, I'm going to go ahead and have, it's kind of whack to say, but I'll have KC and Buffalo in the conference championship. I have Cleveland playing Buffalo and Baltimore playing KC. Um, Before, if they would have had Bateman and J.K. Dobbins, 
Baltimore would be in the Super Bowl for me. But just with those two injuries, I can't see them beating elite teams in the playoffs without that ability to really be able to to get behind that passing game. So, sorry, Baltimore. I really wish you guys were full health because then I would have gave you the win. But got to go ahead and rock with uh, KC and Buffalo. So, in that conference championship game, or no, the divisional round, I have Tampa Bay beating San Francisco in a game that is just going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, Todd Bowles versus Kyle Shanahan top tier coaching matchup um and then i have green bay beating the rams handily conference championship i have the kansas city chiefs beating buffalo um but again that one could go either way once we get into the season i'm excited to kind of see what's going on on paper and everything then um i have green bay beating tampa bay avenging last year and i have green bay as a super bowl champions I was harping about him earlier. I think this is insanely talented. I think bringing in Joe Barry is going to be a nice change of pace and allow for that defense to take a big step up. I am super optimistic about the outlook for the Green Bay Packers this year. So that's going to wrap it up. Yes, I have the Green Bay Packers as the Super Bowl champions. Who do you guys have winning the Super Bowl this year? Who are your 14 playoff teams? Who are your awards going to? I want to know what you guys think. Go ahead, sound out in the comments. And if you haven't already, if you are listening, go ahead, head over to STB Sports on YouTube, subscribe, um, and if you are watching on the YouTube, uh, go ahead right now, share with five friends. I upped it. You got to the end. You're truly a clear fan. Share with five friends. I want to know what they think. Be like, and you know what? I want you to kind of like bait and be like, what in the hell did I just listen to? This guy thinks that the Vikings are making the playoffs, and then be like, they're like, what? Kind of play like it's absurd, but yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate all the support. It's Blake Sorensen with STB Sports. Peace and love.